All right. Episode two of the Lane One Talk Show. Uh, this episode, we have a very special guest. Our, ver- our, first, our first guest on the show, uh, Robert Miranda um, of the uh, Hoka Aggies. Um, and uh, just to give you a little bit of background on Robert, he recently ran uh, 214.43, right? At the California International Marathon. Chip time, yeah. Yep, chip time, which is 5.08 per mile, just cooking from Folsom to downtown Sacramento. Full uh, right send. Up. Full send, full send. <laughs> um, yep. And just right off the rip, uh, Robert, when you crossed the finish line, two hours, 14 minutes, 43 seconds, uh, what was going through your mind? Sixth place. There wasn't a whole lot of other humans in the uh, finishing corral when you were finished. No, I, I was shocked. Um, I, I got to say, thank you guys for having me on. Really, you know, appreciate it. Um, excited you guys are doing this. Um, so happy to be a part of it. But yeah, you know, I, I didn't realize I was sixth place until my wife told me afterwards. Um, but I was thrilled. That, you know, the, the whole buildup really is my first marathon. It was my debut. So um, I, I just I didn't know what to expect, really. You know, it was all like you do everything you can to prepare and then you never know when you hit 20 miles and you hit, you know, 22, 23, what it's going to be like. And even, you know, the beginning of the race, I was just nervous that I was going to hit a wall, um, it was going to blow up at the end of the race. And so kind of just finishing it, realizing that I got it done, um, felt amazing to be honest. Yeah. 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 I think that's the crazy thing though, is that this is like your debut marathon. Most people, when they're going for their first ones, try to play it safe, try to get that trial standard, but you from the get-go where I was over here, we're uh, following you in our group message and we're like, dude, he's out like 505 and he's like still running that pace. He's holding on to that. So that was a, for lack of a better term, that was a pretty ballsy race plan. Did you plan that from the, from the start or did that kind of just naturally happen? And you're like, well, F it, I'm here. Um, I got pulled out a little bit faster than I wanted to. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be about 108 through halfway. So trial standards, 218, that's 109. Um, I wanted to, you know, not bank time, but just based on my training, I wanted to go about 510 pace. So that's what I was shooting for. And then um, just the way it worked out on the day, just um, how the race broke up. There was one pack that was kind of five flat, like the lead pack. And then there was a big OTQ pack that was 515. And I started with them, but, it, you know, I wanted to be going faster than that. So it was me and um, at the beginning, like a couple other guys. I think one, um, it was mostly me and this one guy who I just met on the day. And, you know, I guess that's just the beauty of CIM. But um, we got to talking on, you know, on course and we both realized that we wanted to do the same thing. Um, Jared Broadbrooks, I think he was seventh right after me. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm butchering his name. I hope not. Um, but we both got out and we both were wanted to go about, you know, five ten pace. And, you know, there was a couple of people in front of us, but not really. We we're kind of in no man's land. So it was like, you know, stick with him or just run your own race. And so, you know, I got out and the way our dynamic worked, you know, we were sharing the lead a lot, but he was the one that was really pushing. And I was the one that was trying to be like, you know, hey, let's just be a little conservative. Let's try not to go too hard too soon. Um, so he pulled me out a bit faster than I wanted to, but, um, we went through halfway in, 
6720. So, you know, I wanted to go through 68 flat. So it was, it was quite a bit faster, but again, it, you know, it felt good. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it was, it was a choice between, okay, you either go back 40 seconds and run your pace or you work with someone. And so, you know, I chose to work with them and, and I'm really glad I did. Cause I, I don't know if I would have, um, you know, had the belief to keep going if I wasn't, if I wasn't with them. So, um, yeah, really grateful that, you know, it worked out for both of us. We both got under 215 and we're both thrilled with it. Yeah. That that's, um, that's awesome. And I, you know, when you were, you know, you had your race plan of coming through at 68 flat, um, which is 510 pace, right? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And, 510, 511. Yeah. Something like that. So did you like, did you have that as kind of like your safe pace? Like when I was, when I was, you know, when I was planning for, for Houston earlier this year, I, I had a similar, mine was more of like, um, 60, like, uh, 217 flat, like two two seventeen. just, just, yeah, I wanted to get the mark. Right. I was, yeah. but did you, did you always kind of in the back of your mind think that like, you know, if I'm feeling good, you know, we might be able to be, be able to make something special happen. I mean, you know, obviously OTQ was a huge goal and I, I really didn't know where I was going to be on the first one, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to like leave anything on the table. And so I thought that it would be, you know, I'd be thrilled if I could run even 216. You know, that was kind of what I had circled coming in was 68, 68. Um, and, you know, just as things got going, I was like, don't, you know, you're feeling good and maybe it's going to be too hot too early and you're going to blow up at the end. But, you know, I, I didn't want to come all that way and then not, you know, try to put everything I had on the day, you know, it was, it was right. you know, you build up for the marathon, you're doing this for months, you only get one shot at it. It's not like, you know, okay, I'm going to be conservative. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like with, um, you know, just a track race, you know, if you're going, you know, you can't just settle for, you know, a small queue, you know, you have to go for a big queue. Um, right. So even if it's, you know, just running for time, you know, you can't be like, okay, I'm just going to run this race, you know, mentally, like just going for this time and that's it. You know, I, I felt like I had to be, um, you know, trying my best the whole way through. And, you know, if, as long as I was worried about that, you know, hopefully the rest would take care of itself. And, and it turns out, you know, I ran well under the standard, but, you know, going in, I, I didn't know how that would, how it would play out last couple of miles, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's very similar to, you know, kind of my, you know, my, my thought process as well as you, you kind of have that, like, um sort of um reserved expectations you know you might be feeling really good at half or feeling really good at 15 even but you're you're still sort of you know a little reserved on how it's going to feel for that last 10k you know i think it it's you know what do they say 20 miles is halfway um, yeah exactly something like that and i think I and mean, that's in my experience it's pretty true um yeah cool but Based off of your Strava, though, I feel like you prepared yourself pretty, pretty uniquely. I feel there's a lot of people that when they're doing their marathon buildups, a lot of times they kind of do it almost like a mountain. Usually they start off if they're doing like a 10 week buildup, they start at maybe like 90, 100 miles. And then at the peak of maybe like week seven or week eight, you see them like um, getting up to that 120, 130. 
looking at your Shava, man, going into um, when we're we're sizing up what it was going to look like at PAs, just to give a little background, Robert also won PAs by a pretty good margin. Looking at what kind of fitness everybody was in, this dude had like 12 weeks of straight 110. Was that kind of the plan the whole the whole way? Like you didn't really take any down weeks. The Strava is so aesthetically pleasing when you see the when you see the chart uh, the chart going across straight across just 110, 110, 110, 110. Was yep. that the plan, or did it kind of just happen? You caught momentum, you caught some fire. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe I'm too much of a you know I like round numbers. Maybe I'm too much of a slave to the watch sometimes, and you know try to round things out, but. Um, you know, really, it, it, I guess it was the goal going in, but I didn't know how it was going to play out. And so um, it just kind of depended on on how my body was feeling. And, um, you know, I made some I made some alterations. You know, I'm not you know, I wasn't like, you know, perfectly level like you're like you're hyping me up to be. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was, it was mostly just I wanted to just feel out, you know, kind of like I ran the race of. I didn't know really where I needed to be or where I could be. And so a lot of it was just exploration and, you know, just trying to see what my body could handle. And along the way I made some, you know, adjustments, but thankfully I was able to, you know, keep the, keep the effort up pretty high the whole way. I, I kind of, you know, I've, I've heard about, you know, marathon training going into this build it was like, if you're not, you know, kind of ambiently tired, then, you know, you should be running more, you should be training harder. And then, you know, there's a threshold where if you're not recovering, then that's where you pull it back. And so um, it was just balancing the two. And, you know, I was lucky to be able to, you know, just sustain all of it and get through, get through to the finish line. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, you're talking about your buildup and, and your training. I feel like you put together a really good season this year as well. And I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've had a very unique perspective and Mark kind of in this category as well of, of, of the golden gate park, you know, in, in, uh, September, you ran that, um, cross country race. And I'm talking about uh, the, the Pacific association cross country circuit, the four miler in, um, September, um, the, which you beat me at the, um, rock and roll, um, half marathon, right. Um, you did really well there and you got me by one spot and then you, you went, you did, you went off at PAs, um, running away with that. And I think what stands out at PAs and at the rock and roll half marathon, you made strong moves mid race. Um, you know, I remember in the rock and roll half marathon around 8.5 miles, I was running with Sean Davidson and, and you just come up on us. Like we're standing still and you made that strong move and, uh, same with Pacific Association cross country championships. Uh, two miles in, you know, you just kind of roll up through the meadow down and then hold, uh, you know, just a strong pace down that hill. Um, you know, I, 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 I did notice that in I, firsthand, like it was like I, you know, because I was right there. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that like, oh yeah, I, I, I called it, but like I feel like it was, you know, it was, it was very encouraging to see that progression throughout the season starting way back in uh in september firsthand yeah I mean, thanks phil i mean i yeah i guess i i had your number a bit on some of the races this season so um yeah it was close, it was close. Yeah, yeah yeah that's okay that's okay you got to surround yourself with greatness right you got to surround yeah. yourself with greatness and so and we, 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 we yeah we, huh? we want to preface this a little bit too like 
Phil saying he had his number this year, but we didn't we didn't give Roberts full background on like where he comes from because he's a first year Aggie. First of all, this dude's super well spoken. You can kind of tell. Um, I was shocked when uh, we had dinner at San Jose, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm 23 years old." I was like, "Bro, you are a feral young child." Yes. And then we get to we get to talking to him a little bit. The man is an Ivy League grad from Yale. That's the right Ivy League, right? There, that's the right the, one. Yeah. Once you get to that level, man, that's just another level of academics. This dude was academic all Ivy League track and field, and so basically best GPA in Ivy League for track and field scholar athlete. He hosts PB's range. Like when we're talking about range, I'm I, I mean range as recent as 2022 sub four in the mile, 751 in the 3K, 1352 in the 5K, and then marathon debut to 1443. So like maybe in about a span of two years, this guy has broken four and run under 215 in the marathon. That is some that is some crazy range. But going back to us now all being on the Aggies, how did you even find out about us? um thanks for thanks for having me up um yeah so you know i, I guess i gotta go right back you know right before i joined the aggies was kind of coming out of college um you know i i kind of thought i was done really running competitively at this level you know i um i i, I set some goals in college and you know i didn't come away with you know a league title or anything but i got under a lot of round numbers and um, you know, don't say anything bad about the BU track, you know, because it did great things for me. Um, and hey, I kind of hey, I'm I was, gonna go run that in about a month, so um, I I'm heard I have that same magic as you, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I hope it treats you well. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I graduated and then I got married the summer after, and uh, now I'm here in LA and I started a, a PhD program at UCLA. So I kind of thought, you know. I was just done running because I, I accomplished a lot of my goals and, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, I guess I, you know, I thought it was time to move on and, and do other things. Um, and, you know, it was, honestly, it was my wife really that was like, hey, like, get out the door. You want to go run like you're just not doing it. You know, you're itching to do something like go run. And so I didn't know what that would look like at first. Um, I was actually training for. LA marathon, which is spring marathon is, um, I'm forgetting the date. It was some, sometime in March. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was putting all this work in, but it was, it was really unstructured. And so I was kind of looking for a group that would let me join. Um, and so I stumbled on, um, stumbled onto the Aggies kind of almost by accident, just looking through, um, previous year's races, trying to, you know, figure out where I wanted to run. Um, I think I saw your race at Long Beach half. I saw, you know, years and years worth of Sergio um, <laughs> racing kind of all over California. Um, and I got in contact with Sergio to, you know, try to see if it could help me, you know, um, you know, obviously not a professional athlete, but kind of making it a hobby that just funds itself and having more structure. And, you know, uh, I think you guys are up and slow. I'm still in LA. So it's something that was also, you know, non-negotiable for me, like, my PhD program's here. I have to go into UCLA every day. Um, so, I, you know, I kind of feel sometimes like, you know, I'm, I'm an Aggie, but, uh, you know, I'm working remotely or something. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, um, but you guys have been great. I, I really love the, you know, being able to come to the PA races and, and having that team environment. You know, uh, I did my research. I, I listened to you guys' first podcast. And, you know, I, I, I like what you guys said about kind of the, 
the environment of the of the PA circuit of just being able to put life down for a weekend and and go just you know enjoy running just for running sake. So yep. um, yeah, that's that's definitely my experience too, and you know I, I loved it so far. Yeah. So that is there's one constant though in in your whole story. It's if I feel like, especially based on your Instagram posts, based on a lot of the way you're explaining your running career, your wife is a real ba- battery in your back, huh? Yeah, yeah, like, you could. She's fueling that train, huh? <laughs> I I really could not have done, you know, half of what I've done really in you know, don't even put the running like qualifier next to it. Like, um, she's been so supportive of you know just going on about running, you know, if I'm running 110 mile weeks, that means I'm out the door for, you know, two hours a day. And then I'm going into school and I'm, you know, holding office hours, I'm proctoring tests, I'm grading, you know, and trying to do my own studies. So um, I've got, you know, it's a big schedule. And, you know, she's had to make just as many sacrifices as I have, honestly. So uh, yeah, thank you for letting me let me talk about her, just give me an excuse. But um, yeah, no, she's been, she's been with me kind of the whole way. And, you know, she's been really supporting me of trying to get me to get me to do this, um, you know, get back into running. And yeah, I, I don't think I could do this without her really. Yeah. Cause life itself, right? Like if you were just doing, you know, UCLA PhD program, that would be a lot of work on its own. Right. And now you're adding, you know, two plus hours a day of training and traveling and on top of that, you know, so um, you know, that's, you know, that does take a supportive, takes a supportive household and it takes a, you know, takes a team to, to keep the, the, uh, mission on track. Yeah. Yeah. We'll win you some more brownie points. So you keep coming on this trip or coming on these trips with us. So you can keep coming in and racing. So like I mentioned earlier in the pod, you're 23 years old, you're still a youngin, and you are married. You're pursuing a PhD. You're running fast times. What was that it moment where you're like, yeah, I'm going to marry this girl. Like, is there a particular moment that comes to mind where you're like this, like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting married like now. <laughs> um, so, you know, we met in high school, she was a year older than me. Um, and we didn't go to the same college. She went to SC and I went to Yale. Um, but you know, it was, it was a pretty gradual transition because she was a year older than me. So we were still in California for a year. And then we did long distance for a couple of years. And then, you know, it was, it was really during the pandemic, you know, I feel like a lot of people kind of had this, you know, just reevaluating kind of what they wanted to do. Um, so for us, we've been long distance for a while. And then, you know, my school went on, you know, everyone was on Zoom really. So I didn't have to be in person. And so I spent a semester just living with her. So we were both in LA because she was, um, you know, she was a, student athlete too she did lacrosse at usc so um they were still like they had a season but ivy league um just canceled everything so i was running on the side but i was just spent the you know spent the semester just living with her um and you know it wasn't like a one like defining moment you know it was you know kind of years and years of just building up but it was really like during the pandemic where you know kind of just perspective changed it was just like you know okay you know these are the things that you know, we find like important and, and what we want to do. And, you know, you just, you just kind of restructure things. I'm just like, you know, okay, this is what I want to put first. This is what I want to put second. You know, here's what, here's what matters. And, and 
yeah, you know, best best decision I've made, really. Um, yeah, by far. Nice, nice. Well, congratulations, me. I'm the certified lover boy here. Phil is happily married, almost go almost going on what ten years, Phil, or eight years at this uh, point. Uh, nine, nine, almost. This will be nine. Yeah, nine years. Yeah. Don't worry, Mark. You'll get there. I'll I'll get there eventually. I'll get there. But um, what what you um something you were talking about being student athlete, both of you guys. Uh, your wife went to USC. You went to an Ivy League. So me and Phil on the first episode, I I think we covered it on the first episode. We might 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 not have, but we're very move the chains kind of guys in college. Meaning we were athlete students. Like I, I mentioned, I majored in distance running. So did Phil. And I remember a conversation you and I had, um, or when we're at, at dinner at San Jose, you said, um, you're trying to play down a little bit your academics. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards we're able to siphon your high school GPA, your college GPA and your PhD GPA. And then you're like, I very much care about my studies. So you're like a legit student athlete. What was that balance kind of like when you were, when you were at an Ivy league? Cause I can imagine the academics are not easy. You can't really just move the chains, especially if you're trying to get a crazy GPA. You have to actually apply yourself mentally and then still be able to game up and get out there and run some PRs. Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys are hyping me up too much to be on this podcast. You know, be <laughs> down a peg or two. Um, you know, for me, it's was, it was kind of something where, you know, they're, they're both, you know, time consuming and, and, you know, you have to put a lot in to get a lot out. But, you know, for me personally, and, and, you know, I guess this is the same way that I am with, you know, going out at pace for the marathon, you know, I, I can't really do one thing, you know, full blast and then just run out the clock and the other thing. Um, you know, I always felt like, you know, when I, when I ran well, then I would do well in school. And, you know, when mm-hmm. I was doing well in school, you know, if I, you know, if I had a bad race or, you know, when we were out of season, you know, my, my grades would slip. And, you know, when I, um, you know, was falling behind on my, you know, exams and stuff, then my running would slip. So um, it's, you know, it's just kind of the way that I'm wired, I guess, where, you know, to me, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's two separate things, but, um, you know, I, I like, I like being busy, I guess. I like being, um, you know, all in on, on whatever I'm doing. And so I couldn't really be like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, go all in on this one thing. Um, no matter what it was. So, you know, when I was an undergrad, you know, I, I was, you know, doing the best I could at academics and I couldn't just be like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, just go out and, and jog around for a while. I, I wanted to do it as best I could and see what I can do. And and then, you know, I thought that that was going to be it. I thought, you know, I was pretty happy with, you know, my college career, I guess. And I thought, you know, okay, now we're just going to buckle down and try to do this PhD and, and try to go all in on it. And, you know, like I said, my wife was like, you've got too much energy. You're crabbing around the house. You know, you need to go run. Like, get you know, out. You need this. Yeah, basically. She was like, all right, here are your shoes. You know, get out the door. You know, don't come back for an hour or so. And, and then you'll feel better. And I was like, you know what? This is what I need. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you, you know, you went post-collegiate in like every area of your life, right? Like you, you know, you, <laughs> you know, you, well, you got married, you got a US, you know, PhD, Olympic trial, you know what I mean? You just, you just leveled up, you know? Um, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of parallels there, right? Like, you know, you, you, 
you that, that competitive mindset, you know, when you're trying, when you're applying to, to grad schools or you're, you're trying to get um, into these, you know, elite schools, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of carryover um, in, in the detailed work that takes, but that, that takes place behind the scenes. Right. So, you know, you have to, you know, get good grades and, and get, you know, make good relationships with people and have those experiences to share. And, um, you know, and, and a lot of that yeah. stuff is, isn't necessarily super fancy. A lot of that stuff is, is, is behind the scenes, but it's what you yeah. have to do to get to the next level, you know? Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's a ton of crossover. I feel like the people that are really good at running, you know, are, it's just the personality type that could do really well in kind of academia of just, you know, excuse me, sorry, but like putting in long hours with very little reward and then, you know, kind of just gradual change over time. It's kind of the same thing. Um, totally agree with what you said, Phil. Yeah, it's almost easier for you to like go, it sounds like it's almost easier for you to go completely all in on something rather than kind of dip your toes in the water a little bit. Is yeah. That, would you say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly similar to where I, I don't like to dabble into many things, but if I am about something like I'm 100% into it, I'm there for the ride. But mm -hmm. yes. I feel like yeah. it's, it's part way. of it. Yeah, the addictive nature of it all. <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely stuck me in this crazy sport. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's very true. You tend to go all in on things. Yeah. So, you've lived in the Bay. You've lived on the East Coast, or where? What state is Yale in? Forgive me for not knowing this. Connecticut. So yeah, you're in the East Coast, and you've been in LA. How crazy has it been? Completely different types of environments has the culture been pretty different because you're in the heart of what people when they say they want to go visit LA they're they're thinking about it like you're running on Venice Beach every morning or for most of your runs you've lived in the actual bay area which is a whole nother if anyone from California knows this the bay is completely different from LA the types of people and then you go over to the east coast where it's an even different type type of um environment where the weather's different the people are different the entire culture what people are into are different how have you been adjusting and what, which, which area has been your favorite so far? You know, I, I, I guess I could talk most about it through running just cause you know, it's yeah. been a constant through everything. And I felt like at least I thought I adapted pretty well to, you know, winter long runs, you're in the cold, you know, you layer up. That's something I never did growing up in California and then kind of, as soon as I got accepted to UCLA PhD, the runs got so much colder. Like as soon as I was like, all right, you know, you're done with this. You don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> like yeah. we're just night and day shift, you know, next Take week on long run, I was, I was miserable. I was like, get me out of here. Um, but you know, really I've, I've, I've enjoyed everywhere that I've lived. It's, it's kind of been a different experience each time, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, the people are kind of different. Um, the environments that you in, you know, the, um, places you can run, you know, here there's, you know, I can kind of go to the beach and I can go North or I can go to the beach and go South. Um, so <laughs> yeah, two options. Yeah. You know, all the variety you could want. Um, but it is, you know, um, it's really nice living in LA. You know, I, I like it here, you know, um, that's that I, you know, I've, I've liked it in, in, um, you know, New Haven and Connecticut. Um, just because being around my team and and I like being home, you know, with the friends I grew up with in the Bay Area. Um, but, you know, I, I like the life that my wife and I have right now. We've got a little neighborhood where we can walk our dog. Um, 
I can do my running, I can do my PhD. So I'm happy here. But yeah, you know, it is, it is kind of LA. Um, Nice, nice. Phil, did you have did you have anything you wanted to add to LA or the Bay? Um yeah, like, you know, people, I mean, cuz you know, since you lived in um on the East Coast, did you feel like people kind of lumped all of California into one category? I mean, yes, but um I don't know. Maybe I'm not the right person to ask about. This. Oh, okay. I, um, I don't know. Cause like, I remember, cause I, I, I mean, I grew up in Southern California and I, uh, and Mark did too. And I, I really didn't like know much about the Bay area. You know, I didn't know much about the Bay area. And then I went to Cal Poly and Cal Poly. It's like halfway, the San Luis Obispo is like halfway between both. And, you know, I, you know, I went to college in the early 2000s. So like, you know, um, you know, when I would go to, you know, places and they would be playing like, you know, E40, you know, that was like amazing. Cause I was like, well, what is this amazing music? You know? Um, but I, you know, ha you know, having friends now in the Bay area and going up there often and being from it, they're, they are very different places. Like, like, like Mark had said. Yeah. Hearing E40 bumping for the first time during, imagine being in college for the hyphy movement, man. Yeah. That it was must amazing. have been legendary. I was in like sixth grade watching everybody like um watching everybody like start hitting dances because that's when YouTube first started kicking up. Or yep. um what what was it? VH1 yep. or MTV <laughs> playing music videos, and you're seeing like E40, you're seeing Keek the Sneak, yeah. Like, um all of these uh like hyphy area or hyphy movement type of artists are starting to starting to get big and I was maybe like fifth or sixth grade. So yeah, I yeah, I know college experience was like, yeah, man, it was, it was like, you know, it, it, I was, you know, 18, 19 years or 17 years old, you know, and, and like, you know, it would, cause you, in, when you're in track and field team, you're around a lot of athletes cause they have friends that are also athletes. So, you know, you're at, you're at a house, a certain song comes on and people just sort of come out of the woodwork into a circle and start dancing in a specific way. And I just was like, that's amazing. I need to learn how to do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a little off topic about the hyphy movement. Um, um, in your buildup, Robert, for the, uh, for the trials, um, standard attempt at CIM, what, what were like, what was one of your like key workouts? What was one of your ones that really like, did you, did you do anything that you like sent it? Did you, you know, do a hero workout? You know, we sometimes call them. What was one of your main workouts in your buildup that gave you the confidence uh, to run your time? I So, um, you know, I, I had this one workout that I did a couple times. Um, I, I got this, you know, loop at um, Will Rogers State Park. And it's, I mean, it's basically just around their parking lot, essentially. Um, but it's about a half mile loop and it's got a pretty decent hill in it every loop. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's not much if you run it once, but it's like a half mile loop. And I would do, um, I think I did it two or three times in the block. So I did, um, starting off by like four by two miles and then I mm -hmm. built up to five by two miles. Um, and so it was, you know, two mile reps and then a half mile loop jog of just, you know, kind of not like a float, not like trying to keep it effort, just like a, a mm -hmm. honest jog, like seven minute pace, 
um, if that really. Um, and just trying to hit goal pace and kind of lock in for, for a while. Um, and it was kind of something where, you know, it wasn't a hero workout, but it was something that, you know, had to be on my A game. I, I you know, I couldn't like sleepwalk through the workout. Um, and so, you know, being able to hit that a couple times and just really like get pretty good gauges on, on just the improvement of my fitness. Like I think I did it the, the week before, um, the, uh, Golden Gate Open, the cross country race we all ran in, in September in San Francisco. Um, and I did, um, probably did like four sets there, four reps there, and then doing it, you know, a couple months later, a couple weeks later, doing five reps and, and feeling a little easier and then doing it kind of at the end of the block. Um, but just kind of the, the ability to hold pace and then have a, have, you know, terrain that I thought was going to be a bit different than, or a bit more difficult than CIM. You know, I wanted to get a little bit of up and down just because of the course for CIM. Um, but just being able to kind of hit pace and, and, you know, do a workout that kind of, I didn't think that I'd be able to do a couple of years ago is kind of what gave me the confidence to, to step up and, you know, do something I didn't know I could do a couple months ago, really. Yeah. Are you self-coached right now? Um, yeah, I'm self-coached. Damn. That's wild. Um, that's solid though. I, I, I like that. And I think when you're on your own, like when you're on your own, cause it, I'm, I imagine those efforts were on your own, the, the five times two miles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think have breaking it up, you know, over intervals is, is, is really helpful for your confidence. Right. You know, yeah. um, you know, we, we have the luxury of having a few people around where we are, so we can do some of those longer, longer efforts, but I can imagine, you know, if you're doing that, you know, by yourself, you know, staring down a, a you know, 18, 20 mile tempo might be a little intimidating. And I'm, I'm always in a big fan of putting those workouts, um, putting yourself in the best position to succeed, you know, yeah. um, you know, so I, I like, I like the intervals. I like longer intervals. Um, that's, that's solid. I mean, but it's very simple too, you know, it's, it's very simple and, and, you know, the more I kind of like, you know, get into marathon training, the more I realize how some of these, some of these workouts can be just a lot more simpler than, you know, some people make them out to be. Yeah. You know, it was, I started with an idea just on a run with an old college teammate, you know, as, as pretty much all good thoughts for runners do, you just workshop it on a run. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's probably the simplest thing in the world to coach marathon runners. Cause all you need <laughs> to do is just, you know, give them lots of volume. And then a couple times a week, just like, you know, find a different way to divide up some, you know, steady effort. Um, yeah. so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm coaching myself. I, I feel like I could do that decently well for the marathon. If I was trying to peak for a 5k or a mile and, you know, I had multiple races that I was really trying to shoot for, you know, I, I think I'd be lost. I, you know, I, I don't think I could do it. Um, but it's, it's, you know, kind of one of the things that when I got back into running post-college, it was more like, I just want to do the things that, you know, really excite me about this. And, you know, I love racing and track in college. I love cross country. I love, you know, the team camaraderie, but, you know, I was just finding that, you know, getting on a track race and then, um, you know, even like a 5k, just 12 and a half laps and just like, you know, just go lactic immediately. Just like, you know, 
be an oxygen jet and you're just trying to just push yourself over the line was, you know, I just wasn't getting excited about that. You know, I wanted something a bit longer where, you know, um, it's not just go, go, go the whole time. It's like, you know, the marathon, you actually need to think a little bit, you know, you're, you're, you can have conscious thoughts. It's not just like, you know, <laughs> I'm a blur, you know, I can't even remember what, you know, my coach on the side of the track who's yelling at me, like in, in college when I was racing 5Ks, you know, I wouldn't even remember what he said. Um, and he was like, you know, on, you know, the inside rail, just screaming in my face, you know, yelling at me. And, you know, I just couldn't remember it. And I was like, you know, I just found that I wasn't really enjoying that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's very similar to how I felt. And you know, I I I very much enjoy the roads and the and cross country now. And I I know that you know that I um you know I'm quite a bit older than than both of you in terms of you know my my track and field career. But you know, I felt the same. I'm like oh, I'm gonna get all stressed out to you know you know, at this, you know, Stanford 5k and just be just so tired, two laps in. And, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go, you know, I want to go win some money on the roads and, and, and do that. So yeah, that's the, yeah, you put, you, you phrased that very well. in in terms of like the, uh, you painted a really good picture that I could relate to there. Yeah. So I've never raced a marathon. I have, I have paced a 50 K but one thing I am curious about, though, is what are you guys thinking about during that race? Both of you guys can answer this one. Like, what if you guys do remember, like, let's say mile 18 rolls around, mile 17 rolls around. Like, what what's running through your head at that point? Are you just focusing on form? Are you just positive talking? Are you going to sleep? What, what like, what's running through your guys' minds? Um. I'm, 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 I'm constantly thinking about, um, my next gel. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see when the next, next water station is, uh, when you're going through the water station, not trying, not getting tangled up with people around you. And, um, so that kind of stuff is, it keeps you, it keeps it moving. Um, also I'm, I'm also like, kind of like planning my next, my next phase, right. I kind of break, I try to break up races into no more than four, four parts. Um, so kind of like, you know, for Houston, it was like the first half, like 13.1 miles is like the first phase. And then from half to 18, right. was kind of that transition phase. Just make sure you're feeling good, getting your fuels. And then, you know, my goal was just 18, get there and be ready to be ready to race, be, be somewhat fresh cognitively. And then from there it's you know, just try to get to the finish. So I, you try to make benchmarks for yourself and I break it up kind of, you know, by fuel stops and, and, and stuff like that. But I, you know, you're constantly thinking, you know, I was engaged the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I I, it's I, similar I, for you, Robert. It's pretty similar. Um, I broke up mentally. I broke up the race a little different, but you know, I still broke up the race. I, for me, it was, um, I kind of broke it up into 5k blocks and, um, mm. But I mean, you know, 5K sit real nice inside a 10K and, you know, it was basically four 10Ks and then change in your home. Um, and so it lined up pretty well with the water stops on the course for CIM. And, you know, I was really fortunate that I was able to um, make the elite start and, and have personal fluids for the course. So, um, 
you know, it was, it was able to just break things up like that. But, you know, most of it was just kind of, for me, trying to get in a rhythm. Like I was really lucky, you know, I was, I was with Jared for the first 20 miles or so. And, you know, last time he was doing, we were, I mean, we we're running side by side I, um, for, for a long ways. And then kind of somewhere around 15, he, he started just one stepping me a little bit. And, you know, I was telling him to go when, when he, you know, I was like, don't wait for me, basically. I was just like, if you feel good, then go. Um, but he stayed behind with me, really. And, and um, you know, I don't know, maybe he was trying to hold back a bit. Um, but it was, it was really just trying to say, like, okay, just focus on focus on him, focus on the, you know, the group of two that you're in, um, try to keep the thoughts positive, and then just breaking it down of, okay, you know, I'm in this 5k, that's the only thing that matters, you know, you know, and, and it's so much more manageable for me, you know, I, I feel like I, I like what you're saying with, um, you know, I only want, you know, so many parts of the race, for me, it was, it was kind of just like, just forget about everything else, you know, the, you know, the last 10k of the race, that doesn't matter, the first, you know, 25 uh, k that you run, that doesn't matter. You're you're on mile one of a five k race, and that's it. And you just need to you know hold this pace and and kind of just forgetting everything else. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just just how I kind of thought about it is like I only wanted you know each of my kind of bite sized pieces to be smaller. But you know, I see what you're saying too. Yeah, I, I, but I think the the, the thing you know th- that we have in common is you 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 go into that tunnel vision, you compartmentalize and you like you, 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 you're focused on the here and the now, right. And you, you don't want to think about too, too much of a mission statement here, right. You're just kind of on the action items and, and like, you know, you, you put it very well there. You have to just can't worry about how much you have left. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, it just becomes all consuming. Right. You know, so I, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, gotta break it up somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how did you, um, how did you prepare for your nutrition here? Like, um, what, what advice, I guess the, a better way to frame the question is what advice would you give someone? Because it looks like the main thing I see people struggle with the most, um, I coach a few marathon athletes too. And a lot of the things is them figuring out their nutrition plans, um, a lot of friends will contact me running marathons, trying to figure out their nutrition plans. How did you figure yours out? And what advice would you give to someone trying to figure out what works for them? A lot of trial and error. And that's, you know, that's what I did. And that's what I advised. Although, you know, I'm a same size of one marathon and I'm lucky it went well, but, um, you know, I'm sure hopefully I'm going to have a lot more in me and, and a lot more things to figure out. Um, but you know, I've, I've kind of been working on um, like race day specific nutrition for a while. You know, I, I think I said earlier, I was, I was building up for LA when I first joined the Aggies and then, you know, CIM was my debut. So, you know, if you're keeping score at home, I didn't run that race. I, I got injured before, but um, I've really been kind of working on this for kind of a whole year of just sampling a bunch of different products and just trying to um, just gradually kind of build up my my tolerance to just really just take in as much as I could, you know, that was kind of my goal was just, mm-hmm. um, be able to have a full gel at, at every kind of, you know, not, you know, it's, it's just where they had them at the CIM course, but it worked out to be about every three miles. So it was just building up my 
kind of my stomach and just getting used to taking gels. And so it was really, you know, every run that I was doing that was longer than, you know, 10 miles, you know, I'd say like 13 and up, I was taking a gel with me and just having it, you know, I was my kind of like staple run was like a 15 mile run. Um, cause it just, the works out to, um, you know, from my house to kind of the end of the strand going North is about, um, seven miles. And if I add on around a park, you know, kind of close by, it gets me up to 15. So I would do that and I would have the gel at nine. Um, so a little bit over halfway and that was kind of, you know, just training my body and, and also just like trying things. And then for workouts, um, you know, it wasn't all the time, but it was like a lot of the time was just like taking the gel, you know, trying to have it at pace. That was a big thing that kind of I struggled with. And I, um, you know, it took me a while to get right, but I would just like have my water bottle and I'd, I'd kind of just tape my, tape my gel to it. And then I'd, um, on the, on the track that I go to, they have the, steeple pit and so I'd, I'd put it on the on the water jump barrier and then on that rep i would just cut the corner a little bit grab my gel and then you know my jog rest for the next one i just set it back up again and so it's you know it's not glamorous it's not you know exciting um but you know it it worked out and then on race day was honestly the first time that i was going to have more than you know like four gels in in a sitting and i had seven so um I, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't advise that for someone just starting out, you know, because there was yeah. a lot that I was kind of gambling with. Um, but, you know, it, it, it paid off. I, I yeah. only knocked over one of my bottles. I got six of seven um, and I had a, I had a, two gels just um, tucked in my shorts. So I was, I was able to, you know, um, just say, oh, I missed one. That's, that's not a problem. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I did. And the goal was always to be able to just take as much as I could. And there was just a lot of trial and error with different products of just kind of what sat well in my stomach. Um, you know, I had a lot of things that kind of didn't work well. I found out that caffeine didn't work well. And um, I found this out. I did uh, um, Surf City Half Marathon building up to LA. And I had a lot of caffeine gels. And then not even half mile from the finish. I just, I, I threw up um, oh, and, and they've, the photographer for the race was right in front of me and caught me like mid throw up. And so you can see oh. it just like, it's, oh. they're, they're terrible yeah. pictures. They shouldn't see the light of day. Um, so <laughs> we need that picture. We need we that need, photo. We need that. They're out we there if it. you want them. Yeah. We, now you, you're going to have to send us the finishing yeah. result, but. I love what you had to say about the trial and error thing. So me and yeah. Phil were getting meticulous with um with testing gels. Where um because Phil was gonna have Phil was gonna have to do um his individual gels at Houston because he was in uh, the ADP program and they didn't yeah. give him um elite placement. I didn't so, get bottles. Yeah, I was doing things like on my midweek long runs. Um, prior to my Achilles injury last year, I was huge on midweek long runs and I would do seven miles at about like five thirty pace. So I would test different it was um it was kind of like a rolling up and downhill course um gradual uphill gradual downhill i would test which gel spike my heart rate the most which ones are the easiest to go down at what miles is it too early what miles is it too late um like which had the best consistency which made my stomach hurt which didn't just trying a bunch of different things to mm -hmm. eventually so i can have all this data to tell people like 
this is what happened to me, but do what you want yep. with that. <laughs> yep. No, I remember that because I remember that and um, that really helped me because I believed it. I mean, I, I, I obviously it was true, but like I took that and it just resonated with me. And you, when you're telling me how you spiked your heart rate and it never came back down, I'm like, well, I don't want that to happen in like mile eight. Like I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that, that I, I took that. So I'm like, okay, I, you need something that slides down quickly. And, uh, you know, you don't want that. Cause I think you were using a more viscous sort of sticky gel for that one. So you had to kind of breathe a little bit, like through your nose or hold your breath for a few seconds. Right, Mark? Yeah. Like goos, goos are a little too sticky for me. Those, yeah. um, if I hit the actual goo product, those, um, spike my heart rate that has to be on a downhill. If I am going to use goo, um, something like Martin, I like, and this is not a sponsored episode. I'm not, they are not paying us to say anything like this. Just an FYI, if they are listening yep. at any point, but Martin, um, the consistency of retail do it. Like I was able to actually like kind of chew it. So I was able to breathe in between, um, mm -hmm. taking it down a little bit. So that's kind of where I started figuring out, okay, something that's a little bit like chunkier of a consistency for me, uh, tends to go down a lot easier than something that's like super sticky pause. But <laughs> yeah, like. That's that's essentially what what I was trying to game plan with. Yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I, I think that you know, I, I'm I also not sponsored by really anyone except Hoka and the Aggies, really. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's you know helpful to say like what works for your, for everyone. So, you know, for me, actually, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like the the regular goos are too sticky for me, but yeah. they've got this like goo liquid energy. And it's like, it's, I think it's the same formula, but it's like, it's, it's basically just liquid. Like it's basically just a shot. And kind of, that's what I ended up going with on race day, just because it was the easiest for me to get down. And then, you know, I liked, I liked everything you said, like heart rate and, you know, how you feel, where to do it. Um, but for me, it was also like when I'm, you know, 20 miles in and I'm dying and I don't want to do this, you know, what flavor can I, can I actually handle and, and take because there are some gels that you know I, I tried and, and I don't want to throw any of them under the bus by Chocolate name. Outrage. Yeah, you know <laughs> birthday cake. Some flavors, your taste at, at mile zero and your taste at mile 20 are completely different. And yeah. you know, it's just the same thing. Unless you try, you know, you're not going to know what you can take back end of the marathon. And that's yeah, you know, really when you need it. That's real. That is real. Like like you know, I've, I tested out a couple and just, some of them were just the, how is that even a flavor? That's not, I mean, yeah, that's, that's. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, probably what, what you hate is, is the one that I went with on race day. And yeah. So, and know. that's so, it's so individual. It's, it's so, yeah. it's, yeah. it's so difficult for me to recommend, you know, anything specific because you have to test it out. It's like, you know, you need to plan you know, I, I tell people, you know, try on your easy run before your easy run for your first time. Just, just, you know, pop a gel real quick and, and, you know, um, but yes, that's yeah, uh, a little, it's always good to try it out. Yeah. A little, a little tangent from here, but, um, I feel like it's a, it's a little bit applicable. So I was on a run with, um, the assistant coach at Cal Poly, Joe Venditti, and we're talking about how the N the two NCAA champions this year kind of have the most unorthodox training. Like, um, what's his name? Graham Blanks does everything super fast and high mileage. And Parker Velby works out two times a week, does an easy run, and then goes ham on the arc trainer. And everyone is now 
trying to find a way to incorporate these things into their training. They're now trying to find a way, well, is this the right way? Is double threshold the right way? Is cross training the right way? And the conclusion he and I came to was like, is this just literally the scenario of what works for everybody is different? Because you have all these teams that are winning, like do what works for you best. You have teams that thrive off double threshold. You have people that thrive off of single runs and us talking about gels, us talking about what works. You have to figure out what works for you individually mm-hmm. for you to be the most successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I kind of felt like, you know, I was, I was coach myself and there are a lot of things that I wanted to try, but it was kind of like what works for me. So, yeah. you know, kind of the way I understand it, you know, the, the classic double threshold is you get up, you do one workout, you know, you recover and then you round two. And, you know, I, I'm really lucky that kind of with my PhD program, I get to, you know, have some flexibility over my hours. You know, I have work that I have to get done. Um, yeah. But, you know, I can, you know, it's, it's school at some level. So I can, I can move things around, but I just, you know, I couldn't really do, you know, two workouts in one day, you know, between, you know, my wife walking the dogs and going into school and everything else is just too much. But kind of the happy medium that I landed on was like, for me, it made sense to like, okay, Tuesday night, go to the track, do intervals, then sleep, then Wednesday morning, wake up and then do like a medium long run with, you know, muted, like, you know, seven at 530. My go-to was like 10 at 545. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of felt like, you know, okay, what's, you know, in terms of my body, like physiologically, what's the difference between doing your first workout at 6am and the second workout at 6pm versus first workout at 6pm and then second workout at 6am. And so it was, was kind of, you know, if I have a, if I was just running, if that was all I was doing, you know, maybe that'd be what I'd want to do. But it was kind of like, all right, you know, this is the schedule that I have to work with. Let's, let's just try to maximize, um, you know, what, what I, what works for me, you know, and just saying, you know, okay, if, if it doesn't work, if it's not sustainable, then Let's let's try to solve you know solve this problem another way because I'm not a professional runner I can't just you know sitting around on the couch all day and just you know rest up for another session so you know I kind of mm-hmm. feel like yeah like you're saying it's just like you know it's 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 everyone has the same problem but you got a different you got a different um, you know coordinates of of where you're at with everything else that's in your life so yeah. Yeah, well, we want to be respectful of your time. We have like mm-hmm. um, one more real question for you. And um, well, first, real quick, we've been talking about your PhD program a lot. What are you studying? Just so it's not left unhanging. Uh, what, do, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm uh, pursuing a math PhD at UCLA. Uh, and so dream is to be a teacher. Um, but we still got a long ways to go before we get there. So, you know, run the mile you're in. And right now I'm... Right now, I'm just studying and um, TAing classes. Cool, cool. I was just just needed to get that out there because I was like, we've talked about it so much, but we never actually said what you're studying. But yeah, last real question that we do have for you is, what would a successful Olympic trials look like for you? The actual race, not the buildup. What do you hope yeah. to achieve walking away from that? You know, I've been kind of thinking about that, you know, I'm still honestly pretty beat up from from CIM, from the buildup, from the race, just emotionally and, and physically. Um, so you know, we're 
what, like seven weeks out. So yeah. um, I've just still been just trying to give my body time to recover and just try to take things one, one day at a time, just not rush it. Um, but kind of for me, like going through the buildup for CAM was just such a, you know, man, that's hard, man. And the buildup is, you know, it was, it was a lot of sacrifice and kind of just me personally, um, cause I, I built up and I got like within two weeks of LA and then, um, I started getting this pain in my femur and, you know, I, I pulled the plug. Um, and so it was, it was not kind of just me, you know, doing the training, but it was my wife, you know, like I said before, you know, sacrificing the time that I was running and, and then we had the second buildup and, you know, I'm crabby because I'm, you know, running as hard as I can and, and she's doing everything she can to support me. So, you know, it was just a big sacrifice. And then kind of after the race, it, it kind of clicked because we kind of went through the whole motion, the whole, you know, sacrifice, 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 and no reward on the first one. And then we went through the second one and then, you know, then we kind of understood like, you know, Hey, this is, you know, why we've been doing the sacrifice because nobody, you know, puts in, or I don't know, maybe they do, but you know, I didn't put in 110 mile weeks just to, you know, just to be tired all the time and just to, you know, feel sore and, and cranky. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I want to try to stay big picture of just like, you know, it's, it's, you know, cost a lot to get here. And it's something that I really want to do. Um, and so I, I want to, you know, any marathon that I do, I, I want to just represent myself, you know, the best way I can. And just, I don't want to do things, you know, half-hearted. I don't want to, um, you know, come and, and just run the race just to run it. And if that means, you know, I'm going after a PR, if, if that means that, you know, um, you know, whatever, it's, it's a hot day, you know, I'm not, feeling good as, as long as I can be proud of the effort that I'm, I'm putting out, you know, that's kind of what I want. So I'm, you know, I guess I'm still recalibrating because I didn't think I'd run 214 uh, at CIM. And so, you know, just trying to put in perspective of, of kind of what I did, why I did it and, you know, just, just resetting for a new goal. But, you know, that's where I am. Um, I'm also just still, haven't run since CIM, to be honest. Um, body's just worn out. Legs are still, you know, just walking my dog around the neighborhood. I'm just like, you know what? They're not ready yet. Um, so it'll come when it comes. But that's mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. I just want to know that when I when I step on the line, that I'm, you know, ready to give everything I have. And and if I make a mistake on the day, you know, if I go out too hard and I end up dying, you know, as long as I can be proud of of kind of the, you know who I was when I was making the decisions, then, you know, that's a win for me. Yeah, I definitely was, just didn't, didn't give you a short answer there at all, but no, I love that because this is going back to the start of the episode. When I said he's well-spoken, I'll shock you 23. Like that was a very vulnerable answer. And yeah, like that was a very grown man answer. Very honest. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, I mean, it, and it goes back to, 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 you know, what you just said, Mark, you know, doing what works for you, you know, it's yeah. uh, everybody reacts to these things, especially when you're talking about debuts, especially when you're, you know, um, you know, starting out in your post collegiate career, everyone's going to react to things differently. You know, I mean, 
you know, we just saw CJ run uh, to uh, to 11, seven <laughs> days after running to 11, you know. Um, that did not make me feel better when I saw that he'd gone and and done that. You know, I, I saw the tweet that he like, where the, you know, Java post that he, he ran the same day. And then, you know, I, you know, I tuned out a lot of Strava for the week yeah. after. And then I, you know, saw on Twitter that he's, he's done that again. And I'm still not, you know, not even thinking about running yet. And I was like, yeah, you know, but you got to do you, him. man. You, you, you yeah. got to do you, you know, and and I use that as an example, um, just because it's, it's on the, you know, it's kind of on the other end of the spectrum in terms of, uh, you know, what, what most people would do in terms of post marathon recovery. But, um, I think that was, um, um, you know, I think that was a great answer. You know, that's very honest. Thanks guys. Yeah. And, um, real quick, just what you're feeling is completely normal. The emotional, you get the emotional high immediately after the race and the emotional low is a real thing. Um, so th- I'm going to give him a second shout out. My buddy, Aaron, he does a podcast f- and um, interviews for running report to black runners. He actually interviewed Jakob at the sound running 5k, which was, I think his first track outdoor track meet back from um, the Olympics. And he asked him about how training has been going and whatnot. And Jakob flat out said the high was high, but the low was even lower. I had zero motivation to go back to training because it was like, you do all this work for that one day, that day comes and now it's gone. Like, how do you expect to feel now? Like, what do you do now? Or like the emotions yeah. are so high. And um, that is something that our coach too, Joe always tells us about. He, uh-huh. every time we have a good race, he gives us kind of a buffer workout afterwards. He's like, your emotional high is going to like, you're basically going to hit a, hit a Valley to the point where you're mm-hmm. not going to want to work out. Your next workout's going to be trash. So we're just going to give you something just to do. So like the motions you're going through hundred percent real because it's going back to the daily life going back to the daily grind, like your life resumes. Yeah. All of that work that you did and that whole day, it's a fleeting moment. And then you just, well, what now? So all of us have been there. We've all felt something fairly similar, but I can imagine with the types of buildups for the marathon, that is daunting. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, man. All right. Well, Hey, uh again we want to respect your time um thank you so much robert for joining us um yeah thank you guys for having me yeah it's been great um talking with you and you know you know we're the best of luck in training and and uh i'll probably see you next in orlando sir um yeah so thanks again for uh for joining us um I'm, like i said I'm, I'm thrilled you guys are doing this i'm, I'm happy to be here so Thank you guys for inviting me. This has been fun. Yeah, guest number one in the book. Yeah. Guest number one. Guest number one. We did it. We finally, we had a guest. Episode one. <laughs> episode two. Episode two. Guest one. Yeah, thanks two. for joining yeah. us, Robert. That was a See, pleasure. I'm just, I'm I'm waiting until I'm a Jeopardy answer for after your, after your <laughs> podcast is going to make waves for years to come. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the first Ooh. one forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Thanks, guys.